Welcome to After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com and click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. In addition to that, while you're there, please check out the podcasts and articles, which are updated daily, and please share those on social media. We face the same censorship that so many of our listeners face So if you share those articles and podcasts on social media, it helps us out a great deal. And we always appreciate that. Going to have a little different show for you tonight. We're going to have on Renaissance man, Joshua Spodek, who is an author, a teacher, an astrophysicist, a TEDx speaker, and host of the award-winning podcast, This Sustainable Life. Now, we've had Josh on several times before, and it's always fun and interesting to pick his brain. And I'm really interested for the show tonight. He's going to tell us how he's been living off the grid uh, quite a bit with uh, solar panels, cutting off the electricity. Um, He's told us before how uh, little garbage he uses. This guy doesn't just talk it, he walks it. And uh, I'm really excited for the show tonight with Josh. How are you doing tonight, Rob? Andrew, I'm doing great. And I'm equally excited to have Josh back on the show. As you said, he's been on, on a number of occasions. And uh, <clears throat> want to thank all of our listeners for listening in this Monday night. I'm sorry, Tuesday night. This is promising to be a rather interesting show. Now, I follow Josh, uh, and I get a lot of his newsletters that come out. And the newsletter that he had done on uh, when I read about how I lived a month off the grid in Manhattan was rather interesting. Because in essence, and he'll explain this when he comes on, is that he, living off the grid, is my understanding from looking at the piece that he wrote, is that he was using very little electricity. I've visited with Josh on a number of occasions. And actually this past weekend, he and I, we met up, <clears throat> excuse me, and we went back bike riding. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, his latest, the latest thing that he's doing. And we talked a little bit about that. And we also talked about a lot of other topics, which I found interesting and We'll have him back to talk about it, definitely to get his views on abortion and on uh, feminism. And I think one of our shows, we spoke about that. But this show in particular, him living off the grid, because you know that there is a push now for green energy. There is a push to save, so to speak. No, he's not saying this. I'm saying this. The universe and become more conscious as to our carbon footprint. Now, I have argued for quite some time that I personally feel that the United States, America, that we've done a lot to reduce our carbon footprint. I think some of the biggest polluters, China and India, they're doing very little. And while, in my opinion, we're doing all that we can do, we can only do so much. We've got to hold them accountable. But yet and still, we have our own Americans who are coming down hard on us and trashing us and telling us we're not doing enough. And then you have people like John Kerry, who says that climate change and and, and even Janet Yellen, whom I don't like, she's even saying that we need to do more. And that one of the reasons why we have all these problems is, of course, racism. No, I don't know how the heck they were able to connect racism with climate change and all this other stuff, but hey, they managed to do it. They managed to do a lot of stuff that makes absolutely no sense. But going back to John Kerry, so he's telling us 
you know, we need to do better, we need to do this, all the while flying in a private jet. And when he was confronted with this, he says, well, you know, I've, I'm in many different places and I need quick access. I need to be there like yesterday. Well, John, when I'm flying and I need to see my, my family, I need to be there like yesterday also. I don't want to take a stagecoach, but I don't have a private jet either. So yeah, to yeah. me, that's just one of the things that I find kind of ridiculous. He's preaching to me about it. And what is he doing? Yeah, and we see all these rich, entitled celebrities come out and say that they support climate change. They're all for uh, ending the pipeline and things like that. Yet we read stories like uh, this Taylor Swift, who's flown 170 times out of the first 200 days of this year. So obviously, they're not worried about reducing their footprint. So it's just the hypocrisy that goes along with it, which is frustrating for me. Well, it's a hypocrisy, and it's also the rules for thee, not for me. And then there are many others who have exactly. done the same thing. They preach the same thing. Look at Barack Obama. He preaches it. You need to, we need to do this. And he has all these mansions. He's building a mansion in Hawaii. He has a mansion in Martha's Vineyard. And it's like, what gives? What gives? I'm all for sustainability, making this. And I think that's one of Josh's words, sustainability. I'm all for you know, reducing our carbon footprint. I'm all for trying to you know, live here a little longer and leaving this world a better place than the way I found it. But the people that are at the forefront that are saying this, like Al Gore, who's made millions of dollars off of this green energy thing, and he's not living it. I mean, if we were to, everyone were to go solar panel, he needs to reduce all the mansions that he has. Look at AOC. She's out saying the same thing. Of course, she ties it into racism because that's just the flavor of the month and people buy into it. And what I found is that a lot of the people that are buying into it are definitely these woke white liberals because they can do no wrong and they're all for the universe, you know, changing the universe and making everything great. But you're saying one thing and doing another. And that's what I don't like. I just don't like that. Now, I'm not saying that conservatives are saints in this either because we know that they're not, although some of them, they want to, you know, make certain that, you know, green energy and hey, who wouldn't want green energy? Who wouldn't want the country to be better or do better. But while we're doing it, we also have to look at the other countries. It takes more than just us that's gonna get us there. So uh, Josh is on and he's gonna talk to us about it. And as you said, Andrew, he does, he lives by what he says and I have to commend him on it. Now, I, I, like I told him once teasingly that I'm gonna you know, check up on him when he doesn't see me there to make certain that he's living by his mantra I haven't had a chance to do it yet because I've been busy with other things, but uh, so far from what I've seen, he, he does live by it. Like I said, I was with him this weekend, we're bike riding and we were talking about something, this is just something just off the beaten path. And we were talking about things that are made in America. And I said, you know, look at what you have on. I'm like, where, where, where was that made? And he said, well, the shirt, someone gave it to me. And he goes, well, the pants, I found them. Now, I don't know if he saw my expression because I had my shades on. I'm like, are you, are you freaking serious? You found I'm sure he watched him and whatnot, but I thought, man, this guy, this is like unbelievable. And, you know, and, he, and he also shared with me that he was invited to go to, I think it was California. And he said, well, I don't fly, you know, and is there another way you can bring me here? And they said, well, what about we'll rent a car, an electric car and all these other things I'm thinking. Is this guy crazy? <laughs> I, 
wow. But I mean, he's I, living true to his convictions. I don't know? think one of those electric cars would make it that far from what I've heard. Well, well you know, he spoke about that and, and hopefully he'll share that with me as to what he told them that, you know, if I do do it, this has got to be met because we clearly we don't have the infrastructure, you know, at you know, the different states to, you know, to pump up or whatever you call it when you use an electric car. But I, I just I found it interesting that for that he would say that, and I don't think he's flown since 20, 2016, I think it is. But uh, he'll he'll share that with us. But definitely, uh, we want to hear what he has to say. Like I said, with everything that's going on with the push to go green, and here you have a person who's doing it. And I also teased him and I said, "Hey, Josh, you know, if to get people's attention, why don't you change it from sustainability to sexability?" Maybe people, you'll get more people's attention because whenever there's sex involved, hey, people will stop and go, what are you talking about? What's going on here? So without further ado, uh, let's bring on Josh. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm very good. And I can't wait to get started. There are so many things I wanted to comment on already. <laughs> so Josh, tell us, uh, living off the grid, uh, this new thing, what is it about exactly? Just, you know, what is it? Living off the grid. How are you living off the grid? And what is the grid? How are you defining the grid in the most simple terms for our listeners? In the most simple terms, I have a, a feed from Con Ed, that's the service provider. And I've already switched to when I pay my bill, it goes to the most renewable sources that I could find. And I don't use it, I don't like using the term renewable actually because I'm sorry, Josh, when you say Con Ed, that's your electric company, right? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So go. It's, it's only electric. I'm not doing anything, I'm not trying to mess with water or heating yet. That's another story. Uh, but there's a circuit that connects me to Con Ed and I simply opened the circuit, which is to say I'm physically, my apartment is physically disconnected from the electric grid right now. And um, I first started the experiment on May 22nd. Uh, so I think we're something like 70 odd days into this. I, when I started, my goal was to see if I could go for one month and I really had no idea how I'd make it two days and really didn't, I but I, I learned from experience that if I analyze and plan, that simply delays. I mean, that's what school taught me to do was analyze and plan. But the longer I analyze and plan, the more I don't act. And I just thought, you know, I don't really know how to do this, but I know the best way to find out is to try. And I, I, I want to give some context also that I work on sustainability leadership. And I believe that I believe that sustainability is lacking leadership. I mean, you talked about all these people who have some sort of authority or some voice. And I think they're, they're mostly cajoling, coercing, convincing, seeking compliance, things that I would call management at best, but not really leadership. I, I don't think you can lead someone to live by values that you are behaving the opposite of. So I think it's necessary, although not sufficient, to live by one's own values. And that's what this is. This is living by my values. I don't expect this alone to lead others to change their behavior. However, I do think it will get a lot of people, including myself, to re-examine what is possible and what's not possible. Because I've heard of people living off the grid, off in the woods, but I live in Manhattan. I'm a professional. I'm not willing to sacrifice below a certain level. As it's, as I found out, that hasn't happened. I, I've been. This has been a, a, an amazing, joyful experience of discovery. Uh, I, that's a bit of the top level stuff. I mean, when I. I think on, on the show I've talked about before how the first thing that happened was this, this is all a path of continual improvement of that began really about eight, maybe 10 years ago when I noticed how much garbage I was producing in my apartment. And I challenged myself on a whim. I wonder if I could go for a week without buying 
making any packaged food because so much of my garbage came from packaging. At that time, I really, I didn't know how I'd make that either. And after I had that idea, I, you know, I analyzed and planned, like, what do I do day one, day two, day three, and six months passed before I acted. And that's how I learned, like, just quit with the, like, what do I do all the, like, just, I'm, I know I'm not going to die. So I just tried it. In this case, the first instance of this happening was when I was lowering my power use over time and through turning off various, um, like, I don't have a TV. I've, I've never seen Game of Thrones. Um, and I challenged myself, uh, you know, I, I noticed that my, I had an electric bill that was really low. It was like $2 and 30 cents for one month, uh, not counting the plus $20, like connection fee that I can't change. And I posted on my blog, this is January, a year and a half ago. I posted to my blog. I wonder if I could do zero. I wonder if I could go off the grid for a month. This is just me wondering, you know, in print out loud, so to speak. And I, I posted, could anyone help me? I've never done solar. I don't know how solar works. You know, in principle, I know, and no one wrote back. And so it took me a year and a half of like going on Craigslist because I'm going to, I'm always going to do this with you stuff and like finding a solar panel, finding a battery pack. And eventually here's what it all came down to on May 21st, I took the solar panel that I'd bought and the battery pack that I bought up to the roof of my building. So I walked up 11 flights, charged it, came back down. And the next day I cooked one of my stews and I was thinking to myself, all right, I got this thing powered up. I have enough food to last me a couple of days. I wonder if I could do this. And I thought, well, let's see if I do it. I want to, I don't really know how much power my computer is going to use. I know I got to record on my podcast and I got to have meetings. I don't want to miss any of these things. I don't know how much power that's my computer is going to use relative to how much the battery holds. I don't know about floor lamps and all these things I didn't know about. And I also thought if I want to do one month, should I wait for the beginning of a billing cycle? Because then I can get zero on my bill. And I was like, when, am I, when does my billing cycle start? And then I thought, you know, all this analyzing and planning, I know that gets in the way. I know I'm not going to die. I should just start now. And then it kind of hit me. I guess I just started. Like, I didn't say I was going to start. I just hit me. Like, I'll, I'll just start. And if I, if I fail, I fail. And I'll learn from that. And that was May 22nd. And I'm still going. I had no idea I could make it more than a couple of days. And that's and May 22nd. Keep... I'm sorry, Josh, May 22nd of this year. Yes. Okay. And so I've had, you know, no air conditioning, no fan. Now I've had the fan a bit, but I, it, the battery won't do the fan all night. So uh, it's pretty hot in, in New York and that's been one of the challenges. Uh, but also some of it's been really interesting of, learning how to prepare foods differently, learning how to, uh, lots of stuff. I could get into details. Right. Okay, oh, Josh, I, I, and I allowed, I allowed myself two cheats. I call these cheats, but people are like, whatever. Uh -huh. So I'm an adjunct professor at NYU. So, and I'm, it's a 10 minute walk for me to go to NYU. So I can, I'm at NYU right now. So I can use the computer. I can charge the computer on my phone at NYU, but not the, not the big battery. So no cooking anywhere else. And I've, I've eaten everything at home. I think I had one or two meals where people were visiting from out of town. So I ate uh, at a restaurant, but otherwise it's everything cooking at home. Right. And Josh, I can I, use the laundry in the basement. Let me just stop you here. So I want to make uh -huh. sure that I'm understanding. Okay. So like I said, I've visited your place before and we've had a stew, which was really delicious. So how are you making your stew without electricity? Yeah, that's the battery pack with solar panel. So I bring the solar panels up to the roof, charge okay. the battery. And so it's, it's, I climb 11 flights up, 
put the battery up there and, and let it charge. And then 11 flights back down again, and then 11 flights back up again to get it when it's done charging. How big and, is the battery? Uh, it's, it weighs like 20 pounds maybe. And the okay. solar panels are a little bit less. They're, they're designed for camping. They're designed for people who okay. camping because, is like for TV. Because when I'm thinking solar panel, I'm thinking some huge monstrosity that I've seen on houses. I didn't, have, I didn't know that they, they had some that were that small. So you're going up 11 flights of stairs with this to charge this battery the natural sun and then you bring it back and for how long can you use it is it like eight hours or what is the charge time yeah so i had to find this out when i bought the battery it was 576 watt hours i had no you know i know what a watt hour is but i didn't know is that high is that low i had no idea and the battery and these solar panels will give a maximum of 200 watts i'm like is that high low i don't know so i that's what i found out like when i first got them i tried to charge them in my apartment and it took four days to charge the battery and then, cause I don't get, I mean, I get some direct sunlight, but there's okay. like buildings and shadows and stuff. So it didn't really work, but the roof, it takes four hours to charge. And that battery will give me one stew if I don't fill the pressure cooker all the way. And one, so it'll give me like five meals worth of food. Does this battery uh, provide enough energy to uh, um, keep your refrigerator cool? What do you do with the leftover stew to keep it good? Uh, so the refrigerator, this was an experiment. You remember I talked about these experiments I did first, there was no packaging food. So once years ago, I challenged myself to go, I wonder if I could, I, I read this article about how in a lot of the world, they don't refrigerate so much. They use fermentation, they buy fresher stuff. And so I challenged myself to unplug the fridge and I made it three months the first time, six and a half months the second time. And I'm, I think in my 10th month now of my fridge unplugged. So I've been fermenting and buying food differently, but I'm also finding that, so I don't have a freezer. I don't have a fridge. That one is like yet another thing that I had, I would have believed impossible, but the more that I do it, this really complements well than not flying because people talk about how one of the big things for flying is to learn about other cultures and cuisines. And there's nothing that helps you, helps me learn about other cuisines than to force myself to live with what's grows nearby because I'm not buying packaged stuff. I'm not buying frozen stuff. I'm just buying what's at the farmer's market or what's in the CSA, the farm share that I get every week. We're here with Joshua Spodek, and you're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud iHeartRadio channel. We're available Monday through Friday at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more Joshua Spodek on After Dark with Robin Andrew. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. 
Check out the CopixRx banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Okay, and when we went to break, Josh, you were telling us that Andrew had posed a question about refrigerator. How do you keep leftovers? And you were explaining that the refrigerator has been off. Now, let me just ask you a couple of questions, quick answers. How long has the refrigerator been off? I turned it off in September. September, so September of last June. year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how do you get ice cold water? I haven't had ice cold water in a while. I, I so just, you're just I mean, I go to the tap and I get what comes out the tap. Okay. How, how do you keep the leftover? <laughs> do you go out and buy ice? Yeah. What I did at the beginning was I would put stuff on it. I started it in the winter. The first year I did it, it was December and I would put stuff on the windowsill and that kept things pretty cool. Okay. The following year, I started a little bit earlier. I started in November and I made it later into the spring. But the article that got me started was about Vietnam, which is obviously hot and humid. So I, I knew that there are other techniques to keep things going in hot and humid. There's also a big component here is attitude, is can do challenge growth. It's really a very positive experience for me. It, you know, I was an athlete when I was younger and it, it, there's something to it like that. Okay, I'm just trying to conceptualize all this because I cannot make it without ice cold water. I don't like room temperature water. Uh, what about juices? Do you drink juices? I eat a lot of fruit, but not juices. I think of juice, like I read that orange juice is basically nutritionally like soda. It's, I mean, uh -huh. it has maybe a little vitamin C, but it's basically like soda. So I, I stopped drinking straight juice a while ago. Uh huh. I don't know how the hell you're surviving like that. <laughs> this is, I mean, you're pretty like, healthy. Right. I mean, uh, and he is. I, again, we went bike riding and he was uh, able to keep up. Uh, not that he wouldn't be able to, but I mean, so there's no meat in your diet for the most part, unless you're going right. out to eat. Uh, and I've had your stew, which is good, but it's just the leftovers. So you don't have meals that are leftovers? I do have leftovers. They, I, in the summer, I have to not do too many leftovers, but in the winter, I can have leftovers for like maybe two nights. So what do you do during the summer when you have leftovers? I got to plan it out so that I can't, that, that's one of the things that I have to do is I have to like plan out what I'm going to eat and how much so that I don't, I can't still, I can't leave stuff out two nights in a row because it'll, it'll just go bad. Right. And you've also got to plan, you know, on taking this the battery upstairs of 11 flights to have it yeah. charged, take the solar panel, cook, adjust enough. Okay. So for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, do you just make one meal and just like carry it over for that, those three courses? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I I'll eat some, but I also, I'm eating a lot more salads and fresh stuff that without cooking. And there's something you, you almost got to, but there's another thing that's a really big issue that I thought I, I thought, oh, that's just an engineering thing. People figured out, but I've realized intermittency is huge. The first time I faced three rainy days in a row was trouble because I couldn't charge. Ah, okay. So I had to like look for breaks in the rain when I could go up and get a little bit of charge just to you know keep my computer going a bit longer. I had to figure out when I could go to NYU and when I couldn't go to NYU because NYU, it's hard to find quiet spaces. So I can't record my podcast there. So it like 
I used to think, oh, rainy days, that's just a, you know, people talk about the wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine. That's serious business. That's really hard. That's not something to laugh at. And I had to, but I'll tell you also, the second time there were three rainy days in a row, I was much more able to handle it. So it's not insurmountable. Okay, so what did you do? It's not a joke. But what did you do? I mean, because if you don't, I mean, that's one of my concerns. Driving up upstate New York, I remember once, and I saw all these windmills. But then if there's a storm, it, there's no sun, what do you do? And during the winter, we have brutal winters here. So what, what are we supposed to do? What, what, well, first of all, what did you do initially when it was raining? Did you go without? Did you fast? How did you do your podcast? Because yeah, you couldn't really- charge your battery. No, you could go to NYU, but let's say if you didn't have an NYU, what would you have done? Yeah, that's what I had to figure this out. It was, I mean, when I started this on May 22nd, I didn't know this until I, until I was into it, but I was woefully underpowered and woefully unprepared. Now, I got to tell you, most people don't live where they have to go 11 flights up to charge. And I don't, I can't go to my building and have them install solar just for me. So most people aren't going to face these problems. If you live in a house with a roof, or you can have access to a roof if you live in a brownstone where it's only three flights or four flights, much, much easier. This was not ever intended to be a long-term solution. This was an experiment to see what I could pull off and what would work and what wouldn't work. I mean, it was 576 watts, watt hours is not enough. I mean, it is, it's enough for someone like me the first time to set, to blaze a trail, but it's really not sufficient. Uh, and, but I'll tell you a couple times I went up there and my co-op board is difficult to deal with. I've had to, I've tried to do things before with the building and they're like, nah, they wouldn't do it. So I know that it wouldn't work for me. If I'd gone up to them and said, can I try, can I install solar temporarily? They'd, I'm sure that they would say no. What happened instead was they saw me carrying this stuff up and down all the time. Cause every now and then I'll see, uh, my, my building has a really nice, really nice view up there. So people go up and have you know, they have a drink of wine and stuff. So one time I go up there and there's a bunch of people who are on the board up there and they start asking me, oh, what you, you know, the, the types of questions you're asking. And now they're really interested in a way that they wouldn't have been had I not tried it first. So I haven't yet proposed to them putting something permanent up there, but I'm much closer now for having tried and done it than for proposing it hypothetically. So there's a lot of things going on here. It's not just can I do it? It's also what's a kilowatt hour in practical use? How do I get something more permanent? What would something more permanent be? Like to get the whole building wired, there's not enough roof for that. But maybe I could get a bigger panel installed permanently and to run the power down 11 flights, I don't think that's going to work, but at least I could get a larger battery, two of them. And then I could bring one battery up, attach it to charge, and the other one would be charged by that and bring that one back down. So I don't have to go up once. And if I have a bigger battery, maybe I'd only have to go up like once or twice a week. That could work. So I'm just clearly figuring things out. Right. So we don't have the country have the infrastructure to immediately move in that direction to go green, to go use solar panels. Even we couldn't even get it done, I would say within a decade, because you look at all the, think of the, what would need to be built for that to happen and the planning. And then we would have to think about bad weather when things don't go right. 
it's nice to think about it. So, oh, we could do this because we have, we have the sun, the sun is beautiful, but when the sun isn't shining. And what about those days? Look at Kentucky. They have this really bad storm. What happens right. then if we were to move in that direction? I mean, it's like I said, it sounds great. It sounds nice. But to think that we could do it within a decade, I think is, in my view, is impossible. Maybe uh, a percentage of the country might be able to do it. But everyone, as I think that a lot of people, I don't want to make this political, but the woke folks think we can, it just can't happen. And right. if we were it, to try and do it all at once, we're looking at a collapse of things. Go ahead, Andrew. Right. And I think certain parts of the country are uh, more prepared for that than other parts of the country. For example, I used to live in Nevada and we lived in a house that was powered by solar power. And it can be very convenient. I mean, you don't get these astronomical electricity bills that are coming out now. For example, my power bill was uh, $600 this past month when it was only uh, $230 the month before. So uh, the price of electricity is just going up so much. Um, in a lot of cases, it's actually going to be cheaper for people to spend the $20,000 or whatever it costs to invest in uh, solar panels and uh, batteries if they're in uh, these southwestern states, particularly with tons of sunlight and very little rain. But then you look at places like um, Seattle and Portland, where it's very cloudy. Um, there's definitely uh, some problems uh, with those locations. I think the San Diego would be able to do it. Arizona might be able to do it, although it gets hot as heck out there. Uh, Arkansas could not because of all the tornadoes. You, I mean, that, <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster. But man, Andrew, your bill was $600. What kind of parties are you having there? Man. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, they said that they were going to go up the power bills, and I guess they weren't lying because, yeah, it's always been around two two fifty a month, and this month it happened to be 600 and something dollars. So. Ouch. And, and then, yep. Josh, you said that your bill one month was like $2. How did you manage that? What the heck weren't you? <laughs> I mean, you completely turned everything off. And this is New York. And the cheapest my bill has ever been, I think, is like 90 bucks. But $2? Did they come out and say, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Well, that was last January, or January, a year and a half ago. My, okay. my bill during this was zero, zero kilowatt hours. I still had to pay $18 just for having an account, but it was zero. This past bill was zero. Yeah, it was zero. It was, I mean, zero kilowatt hours plus there's like, it's on my, I, I post my electric bills for the past several months, maybe years on my blog. Right. So it's, yeah, it was zero kilowatt hours and zero supply charge. But then there's like the line charge and the tax on that and other stuff that I can't do anything about those. So that's yeah, still like $18. I, I'm, I'm looking at it now. Your supply charges, a customer charge. You're okay with me reading this, are you? Yeah, it's online. A customer yeah, charge. I, okay. I don't want, I'm not trying to do some, something secret here. I want people to see what's possible. And, right. and, and you're not and just, I want to make sure that everyone understands this is that you do not feel as if though you're depriving yourself of anything. You're living your, so to speak, your best life in doing this. When I started, when I started doing this, I expected deprivation and sacrifice. And in material terms, there's some things. I mean, there's some nights when I would wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm sweating in my bed because it's hot. But what I'm getting in return is people describe me as extreme, but I think of myself increasingly as traditional. This is how everyone lived for a long time. And 
all these questions you're asking before of like, how can we do these things? There's one way I know to find out and that's to try, you know, no one's going to get hurt or injured. I'm not a police department. I'm not a fire department. I'm a person. And there's 330 million of us and we can all try these things. And it's not just that there's two big effects that I've, that I've had in, in terms of the numbers is that my total use has gone down by well over 90%. And the other is that my resilience has gone up by a lot. So I can handle, if we live in a world where the power grid goes down, if there's intermittency in the power grid, I can handle that. I think a lot of people in their current mindsets, they're not going to be able to do what I do, but they can change their mindsets. And for anyone who thinks what I've, what I've done is impossible, well, either you can disbelieve me, but I'm, I mean, the, the bill is there. You can think I faked it, but I didn't. Or you can change the belief. Right. I'm looking at the bill now. <laughs> And, you know, people in this country, something like 25, 30% of people have two refrigerators. We, we didn't use to, I mean, it's own refrigerators have only been around about a century and this stuff is possible, but, and then I want to throw in some, actually some, I've, I'm still very sober about wind and solar because they require, the more that I learn about them, they are not green. They're not renewable. They require fossil fuels at every stage of manufacture, transportation, installation, use, and then they pollute at the end of life. And there are some things that people talk about electrifying everything so we can switch to these other you know, non-fossil fuel things, but trucks, container ships, heavy equipment like, like uh, installation crews that, that they use, airplanes that go more than a couple hundred miles, which is to say to go across nations, manufacturing computer chips, these all require fossil fuels. And there's nothing on the books, not hydrogen. I mean, nothing practical, anything remote that will get these things to work. Trucks, container ships, container ships, getting stuff across oceans. There's one thing that works is not needing them. And these things haven't been around that long. I mean, there's city. So what can we do that's sustainable? Can we live a life that is joyful and free and fun with community and family and adventure with that's sustainable. That's my challenge is, is it possible? If it's not, I don't know, then I'll have, I'll just say, you know, throw it all to the wind and just have a, just party as as we all go down. But I'm not, I'm not there yet. I, everything that I do keeps showing that it's possible. I mean, Look at science and technology. Einstein, his miracle year in 1905, the Wright brothers had just flown. So he had no flying. Plastic had not yet been invented. I think that's some pretty advanced science, Einstein. So we don't need a lot of the stuff to do some of the most advanced stuff that we've imagined. And there are cities of a million people thousands of years ago that lasted for hundreds to thousands of years. So they got all the food that they needed in, they got all the, all the waste back out again, and their longevity and their health was on par with ours. There's, I'm really learning a lot about my world and about people, about culture, about what, about do unto others as you would have them do unto you, about leave it better than you found it. And these things are, are, are disappearing in America, and I want to restore these things. I mean, this is, uh, I love this country. And I, I want it to reach its potential. I don't want to get too heady here. 
And that's why we've got you on, Josh. We've got you on for one more segment. But if you want to be healthier than our president, Joe Biden, and not catch COVID in twice a week, you want to check out Healthy Cell. If you're looking for better sleep, focus, and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator of nutritional supplements for cell health. Rob and I did, and we're so happy we tried Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell vitamins work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Absorb a healthier lifestyle with Healthy Cell's pill-free vitamins. You can go to HealthyCell.com and check out the great products, and you can save yourself 20% off with the code OUTLOUD. So go to HealthyCell.com. You can check out all the great reviews, and to get 20% off, use the code OUTLOUD. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew and our special guest, Joshua Spotic. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. And we're back with the last segment with our guest, Joshua, whom we call Josh, talking about uh, him going off the grid, sustainability, you know, green energy and all the other good stuff. Now, I want to ask something that's really important. I think that most guys want to know about how was your dating life? I mean, how do you, if you don't have electricity and it starts getting dark, most guys would like that because it's like, hey, I'm about to score. But 
how do you explain this to your, your, your dates, you know, when this happens? So the context is that I dated a woman for almost five, four and a half years, and we amicably broke up in the spring. So um, I'm not really back into it just yet. I have a couple of dating profiles up and I've had a couple of dates. There, there was the most recent non-date was like, I, I was chatting with a woman online and she was like, let's get together. Let's go, you know, let's go out to dinner. I was like, well, I'm not eating out. How about I make you dinner? She's like, no, I prefer to go out. And I'm like, well, this is complicated. So it's not what anyone expects. And it does require explanation. Uh, the one girl came over and had, I wasn't that into her. She didn't have a problem with it. And I was like, darn it, if only this one, this was one that worked, she was into it, but I wasn't into her. But it's hard to explain. And dating profiles universally say, not universally, but I mean, generally flying is viewed as very positive. All sorts of polluting behaviors. Consumption is always very positive. And I don't know how to, it's not, it's not great for dating. I, I don't see messages out there like, Hey, I want to find someone. There's a lot of stuff like, I want to travel, buddy. I want to travel the world together and not a lot of, I want to not pollute together. So, so if I'm understanding correctly, there aren't a lot of people who are as conscientious about saving the universe or I don't want to say saving the universe, but green energy as you are. Is that yeah, safe not to that say? I found. Okay. Then, then that's scary because we would be, we're led to believe that people want to move in this direction, but like you said, you're not finding many women to date or to interact with who share those values necessarily. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't think many people would, except for this stuff that I'm doing, I don't think many people would, if I walked down the street, no one would, I don't think people would look at me and say like, that's a tree hugger there. I think, I mean, I got an MBA, I got a PhD. I don't think, I think I'm, I'm not like the average professional, but I'm more professional than environmentalist. I'm certainly not. When you guys were talking before I came on about um, all these other people who are known as environmentalists, I'm like, you're not living by the values. And, and now what Rob, what you said is exactly what I think they're doing is, is like, they say we shouldn't pollute. What I do is so important that it's for me, it's okay. And now we have a, a nation full of people, even though those who agree with them are like, yes, it is very important and everyone else should, should not pollute. But what I do is important. No one out there is thinking what I do is unimportant. I mean, maybe some people are, but I don't think, not, I don't know many people who are like, oh, my life is very unimportant. I do unimportant work. Everyone believes that what they do is valuable. So if they excuse it for themselves, they lead others to excuse it for themselves. Well, I'm not doing that. Now I've had, I'm conscious that I'm blazing a trail and I'm on the forefront. I'm going to be doing stuff that's outside the mainstream. So that's going to mean I knew going into this, I was likely going to take a hit on the social front. There's some people who are very interested in it. And I've made very good friends and colleagues through this because people respect this greatly. I mean, there are some people who don't, but there's some people who really do. And so I'm, I don't lack intimacy in my life in this in the sense of sharing my vulnerabilities and getting support from people and them sharing their vulnerabilities and, and that in terms of intimacy with women I probably if I weren't doing this I probably would have gotten into it already back after you know four and a half year relationship and she was very supportive of it that woman so um 
that one worked out well. But I think I, I, it's no secret that I was a dating coach before. So being a dating coach, there was a period in my life a while ago when I was dating a lot. And if I hadn't had that experience to fall back on and know that if I wanted to, I could, I would feel pretty lonely now. But I don't have to worry about that because I knew getting into this, what was going to happen. And I can say, well, I've had intimacy in my life before. And I, I, if I want to, I can go back into it. I've had the skills and, and could re get back into it. So that, that was a conscious decision. Right. So would I, you, so not to cut you, but would you date someone who doesn't share those values that, because just going back to what you were saying, what I had said about people say to do this, but then they're not doing it because they feel that their life, they can give an exception. But it seems what you're saying is that you're living by your values. You don't feel as if though you are depriving yourself of anything. This is, this is your life. This is what you're doing is your life. And I think we've known each other for, let's say this is for three years now. And I don't see, you've been consistent in what you've been saying. So this is who you are. Would you date someone who doesn't have those same values? Well, I've been vegetarian since 1990 and all the women I've dated then some have been vegetarian, some have not. So I've had some history of, of different values on eating. I don't care what other people eat, but I don't want you bringing meat into my home. And they're fine with that. When we're out, they can do what they want. And several of the women that have fallen in love with and have been in love with me have become vegetarian, at least while we were together. I think most of them have gone back to eating meat, although a lot less after me. So they would go zero with me, but then it's reduced a lot since. So this, the woman I dated before, the four and a half year one, she traveled around, but not with me. I mean, flew around to travel, but not with me. I think it probably, she probably reduced it some because of being with me. And I, I mean, yeah, because if she was dating another guy, almost certainly she and the guy would have traveled together flying. Uh, but we would bike around and do stuff, uh, explore the city in different ways, things like that. Um, but looking forward, yeah, I'm getting more and more out of the mainstream. I do really hope that I influence the mainstream. I mean, I'm working on a book. I got my podcast. My goal is to change a lot of people to where this becomes normal for a lot of people. Maybe not all will reach a 90% reduction, but that was only, that only took me about two and a half years, that 90% reduction that included the time when I, from 2016, when I stopped flying, but I didn't have any role models and now I'm a role model for others. And I believe that within a few years, I don't think it's going to turn around like, um, uh, I don't know, gay marriage is something that like went from zero to complete very quickly. I don't think it'll go that fast, but I think a lot of people feel helpless and hopeless and they feel guilt and they feel shame and they don't want to feel that way. And they want a role model. They want someone to show them it's possible, someone to take the first step that they're not willing to take on their own. But if someone else goes first, they're willing to follow. I think there's a lot of people out there. Josh, could, is it possible that you're creating, creating an island unto yourself? 
Yeah. If it happens that no one else comes, gets on board, if what you're saying is like, what if I do it and no one else and everyone else is like, well, great for you, but I still want to fly. I still want my uh, takeout every, every night. And I'm going to turn on the air conditioner. And uh, I think here's, sorry, I have to go on a side here. The air con- I have to keep my windows open all the time. And the air conditioners are so loud on my block. Like every other building has an air conditioner going on, I think from like May until September, nonstop. So if people aren't willing to give that up, I will still continue to live this way because to me, I'm living by my values. I'm living, I'm not willing to, I look back in, in history when there are people who at the time, some people didn't think it was right, but they thought it was right. And now looking back now, we would agree like in, in Montgomery, in the bus boycott, a lot of people were like, why would you do that? Just take the bus. I would not have, t- I believe I would not have taken the bus and other people would have. I mean, that, I mean, I'm white and, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people aren't so sure what they would do in the past in other situations. I mean, Nelson Mandela has become a much more personal role model for me in, in through this behavior. And, you know, I don't see myself being in jail or in prison for 27 years as he was, but he emerged to become president and win a Nobel Peace Prize that he shared with uh, de Klerk, who, who he worked with. And one of the things I wanna do is to work with the people who pollute the most so that they can get on this path of, you know, start with a, a mindset shift to a learner mindset and then begin a path of continual improvement. Now, I think I guess, this is, oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. I think of this as, uh, I started calling it my, uh, my Kitty Hawk moment after the Wright brothers and if, if you say, are, are you going to, how much, like, how much can you actually do? It's kind of like asking them, like, did they, they, in a certain sense, I have not, if I failed, it's, it's in the way that they have failed, that they failed to make a 747 or to even create a decent airport. They haven't, they didn't. And yet these things came. I mean, these are polluting things, but there's no way I think that anyone could have seen the Wright brothers airplane and imagined a 747. And yet it happened. It was a path of continual improvement. And lots of things are like that. I mean, when people first turned on ENIAC, could they have imagined something to be, I don't know, billions of times more powerful, consuming billions less energy and fits in your pocket? I don't think they could have imagined that. And yet here are our cell phones. So there's lots of precedent for things like this before. It's not crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, and we certainly, we lived without airplanes, without refrigerators, without power grids, up until living memory almost. Josh? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, 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 like, were, you, were you in your thoughts or were you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I'm starting to feel like, uh, like I'm presenting myself as a historical figure and <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think of myself in that way. And yet part of me thinks that history calls for such a figure right now. So and Josh, I'm not shying away from it. What do you think it's going to take for uh, more people to step up to the plate? Do you think maybe uh, some of these Hollywood elites or uh, people like um, John Kerry or something that people are always calling out for being hypocrites um, need to step up and do this themselves, um, even with all that money they have? If people could see them coming out and not using electricity, uh, perhaps it would go a long ways. Uh, what do you think would could happen to make this uh, be more of a popular outlook for more people? 
Yeah, my strategy on my podcast is to work with influential people such as yourselves. And I have this process called the Spodek method that I do with people on the podcast, which is to start that mindset shift. It's to ask people what the environment means to them so that if some, what, what comes out is generally their intrinsic motivation. And I contrast this with what I see most people are acting on extrinsic motivation. When someone says, here's what happens at two degrees of warming, or here's what happens when there's too much plastic in this situation, or here's what happens over there. If it's not connecting with what's in someone's life, it's coercion, it's cajoling, it's convincing, it's seeking compliance, and that engenders pushback. What I do is I, I, if I do it, when I do it successfully, which is most of the time, someone shares what personally motivates them on the environment. And then I invite them to act on those feelings, their personal emotions. And when that happens, they might not do the biggest thing. They might do something that's going to change the world, but they do something. When I ask them how it went, you can hear that they care, that they did it for their own reasons. They want to do more. That's what I'm working on. And I believe that if I can get, I work with increasingly influential people like, um, you know, heads of industry, heads of corporations, uh, elected officials, Oscar, not Oscar, uh, movie stars, um, star athletes, gold medal winners and Super Bowl winners and people like that. And they are at leverage points of systems. They, they influence communities. And I think it's not everything that has to be done, but I think it's something that isn't being done right now. I, I don't believe, I cannot think of any role models of people who are both prominent nationally or internationally and living joyfully by the values that we, that of sustainability as I'm the only one I know of, I, I don't, I don't really have national or, or international prominence yet, maybe to some degree, but that's what I'm trying to create. As long as even the people with the most, the, the, the most, uh, not loud voice, but the most renowned voice, the biggest platforms, they aren't, they're presenting as something that like we have to do. Ugh, you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, but we have to. That it's not the only thing to change, but I think if that changes and there are people who you said, stop using electricity. I'm not stopping using electricity, but I'm drastically reducing it. And I keep finding that reducing it more improves my life, connects me more with my role models from history and things like that. So I think that's essential. That's something that's not there. It's not the only thing that we need to do, but it's a big thing that, that no one else is doing. So I'm doing it. Do you think that, like you said, living by your values, <clears throat> if this were any other time, that people would be more receptive to this? And I don't know what time it would be that they would receive it, but we've been hearing about you know, making certain that we decrease our carbon footprint God knows how long. It now seems to have picked up steam, but yet still we're, we're not there. And I and we'll probably have to elaborate this, elaborate on this in another show because we're almost against the time. But just quickly, what are your thoughts on that? Is this the time now compared to any other time? Josh? Something I say a lot is uh, it's like planting a tree. The best time was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. I mean, it's way late in the game to affect on the scale that we that that I think we need to to prevent some things that are we're going to suffer some I mean we're already the I mean the oceans filled with plastic sperm counts are down 50% cancer rates are up birth birth defects are up 
These, these are terrible things. And they're, they're going to continue. I mean, climate change is one thing, but there's lots of other issues. And I want to do everything. I, I, I can't change everything, but I want to do the most that I can. And the more that I do, the more I find I can do more. And I think other people will get on board with that. So the process is what I'm focused on. The outcome, a lot of that's outside of my control. The process and my actions I can control. And that's what I want to maximize. Thank you, Josh. We'll have you back on tomorrow night for another segment to get some more thoughts on your um, new on what you're doing right now. And we'll also dive into some news tomorrow night as well. Thank you all for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you stream. Please like or subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or go to AmericaOutloud.com. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing.